As a thankful recipient of many, many skincare products over the years, I've learned to discern what is naturally actually activating my skin to rebalance and recalibrate on its own. That's what your skin is meant to be doing, and it keeps getting disrupted by all these choices that we make. So, when the founder and creator of Herbal Face Food reached out to me, I was all ears. I didn't know why at first. It turns out that Herbal Face Food is the most potent antioxidant skincare line on the market today, period. The raw plant ingredients in each of their products are never processed, never manipulated with synthetics or emulsifiers. These anti-aging botanicals are combined with the most precious plant concentrates, and they have changed my skin. Here's how. I'm going to talk about two of the products, the Herbal Face Food Serums and the Cream. The serums contain powerful phytoenzymes and antioxidants. These are activated and infused into your tissues. They hydrate and increase the resiliency of your skin, and they feel like they're plumping up your face. I use Serum 1 daily. I use Serum 2 when I'm tired and I need extra firming for my skin. And I use the X, which is also known as the Cure, for a small patch of rosacea that flares up every now and again, which you cannot see because of these products. When you feed your skin with herbal face food, you will feel real live ingredients at work. An activating flush, an invigorating tingle, some warmth, all of these are evidence of your skin healing at the cellular level and years of damage reversing. The cream is the most potent moisturizer I've ever tried, and I've tried them all. I live in the high desert. This cream contains 102 of the world's most powerful anti-aging botanicals and is also the world's first and only edible SPF <laughs> with a protection rating of SPF 50+. Plus. And this is accomplished 100% by plant power. And you can expect intense hydration, soothing for your tired skin. You can expect to see inflammation calmed and rebuilding of elasticity so your complexion looks and feels more smooth, and more radiant. Herbal face food is not plant-based. It's plant-powered. It has the highest rating on the ORAC anti-aging scale. ORAC means oxygen radical absorbance capacity. I never knew what that meant before. Highest, over 30 million on that scale. By contrast, vitamin C in skincare rates under 100,000. Herbal face food is using all post-consumer recycled materials and packaging. They use glass and aluminum, which is super easy to recycle as well. The products and packaging are 99% free of plastics. They contain no ingredients that involve the destruction or harm of any plant, animal, or marine life. These are 100% plants only, these products. These active concentrates are coming from the seeds, the fruits, the leaves, or the flowers of the plants only. These products have been a complete revolution for me. I know that you will love the way your skin looks and feels after using it even for just a day or two. And the best part is that Herbal Face Food has offered us, you, my community, a code to receive 20% off forever, ever. The code is capital E-L-E-N-A 20. Once again, that's my name in all caps, ELENA2020. The site is herbalfacefood.com. The code is all caps ELENA20. It's not just your first purchase, it's any purchase. You will love these products, and I am so grateful 
herbal face food for the change that you have made in my life. Thank you. Welcome to the Practice You podcast. My name is Elena Brower. Together, we'll explore and enjoy content and conversations around mastering transitions. In our relations, our wellness, our careers, our families, and especially in our missions and visions. You are invited to learn and love and listen with me. Welcome to Practice You. Welcome back to the podcast. It is a lovely weekend day and it's early 2020 and it's time for Ask Me Anything. Some of my favorite podcast episodes with my dear friends and colleagues are the ones where they answer all the questions from their listener. And I'm thrilled to dive in with your questions today. The first question I have, how do you discover the books that you read? What draws you to certain authors? I'm so thankful that you share what you're currently reading and what resonates with you as I've discovered many books this way. I like the idea of sharing inspiring passages with students and perhaps even building a whole practice using these passages as a foundation. So most of the books that I read, I started a really young age with my reading because my mom worked many jobs and one of her jobs was as an accountant for a small local bookstore. So I was constantly lying on the floor of this bookstore reading both the books I should read and the books I shouldn't read. <laughs> and, oh dear, I learned so much during that time. Um, it was one of my favorite times in my life, actually. I have very fond memories of, of looking up between the stacks and seeing my mom sitting at her desk in this sort of very small side room and me reading something that was kind of verboten. Really cute. Um, the books that I read started to come to me then, uh, I got really familiar with a lot of poets at that time. I'm thinking I was probably like 9, 10, and then as I grew up, poetry was a real big force in my life, so I've always been tuned into the poetry. And before Amazon, when Barnes & Noble was my mecca on the weekends, I would just sit in the poetry section for hours and hours and just look through everything and see what made my skin tingle. So I would recommend that you go to bookstores local, non-local, <laughs> and read as much as you can. Um, some of the best work that I do is coming from those years of just constantly reading. And even today, I have a daily reading practice where I usually read first thing in the morning and last thing before I go to bed. I get recommendations a fair amount from colleagues and friends. The most recent recommendation leads into my second answer to your second question, what would be your desert island book? And right now it's a book called The Overstory by Richard Powers. I don't think I would be the same person that I am today without it. And this recommendation came from none other than Danny Shapiro, who's the author of Devotion and Inheritance and so many other books that I loved. She's such a prolific writer and so gifted with her articulation of the most mundane emotionality and states 
But The Overstory is a critical book for everyone alive on planet Earth right now. It is a novel, but it has many different characters and facets that eventually sort of come together in the end. It is a, an education in the state of our planet. It is an education in the state of our forests. And it's one of the best books I've ever read, if not the best book I've ever read. The next question, how do you personally let go of habits that no longer serve you? I'm fascinated by how much daily habits rule our lives. We all have bad habits in quotes. We often don't know. We often know what we need to do to stop the habit. And yet we don't do it. I would love to hear how you end the vicious cycle of bad habits in your life. The best way that I've learned is to create new ones, install, you know, new beneficial habits to take up the time that you used to use on the non-beneficial ones. In my case, uh, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know that my addiction was to marijuana. And yes, many of you might think that marijuana is not addictive, but for me it was. And I was smoking every day because I felt that I couldn't do anything without it. That's addiction. Even though I knew that it was bad for me, I still felt like I couldn't do anything without it. So what did I do to break that cycle? I installed other habits. I began to make art during the time when I would smoke. In the mornings, I, would, I began to work on my business during the times when I would smoke in the mornings. And that became a very beneficial turn of events so that during the quote unquote habit time, I began to be not just productive, but also fulfilled. So think about what it is, what's the habit. Think about another habit that you could install in its place and set about writing yourself a plan, literally writing yourself a plan for how to put that habit, that new habit in place and let the old one just fall away by itself. Next question. Was there ever a time in your life or your practice when you felt completely stagnated and unsure of how to move forward? Yeah. Every day, negative mental patterns taking over, leaving no clear path in sight. If so, the question continues, what did you do to get through that? Every day to answer your question, every single day, I have some moment. Usually it's at the beginning of the day when I'm just waking up and I become conscious. I have to put my hand on my heart first thing in the morning, left hand on my heart. I put my right hand usually on the crown of my head and I literally hold myself in. Like I feel like I might burst from fear most mornings. And I put my hands on my body and I hold myself in and I remind myself of who I am and what I'm here to do. That's how I wake up in the morning. I know it sounds so elementary and so silly, but that's, that's literally what I do. I found myself this morning asleep with my hand on my heart, which was so cute, on my back. James is away and I was just alone in my bed on the bias, like diagonally across the bed, enjoying the, the empty space with my hand on my heart. And so when I woke up and I didn't, today it wasn't so strong. 
Saturday. I knew what I was doing today. It's a beautiful work day for me. And I put my right hand on my head and I just breathed. That's what I do. And, you know, sometimes those times have gone on for weeks or, or, or months. And sometimes, I mean, now, especially they just happen for a few seconds of the day. When you have that, if you're in that state, negative, negative uh, mental patterns taking over, no clear path in sight, I would just start by putting hands on your body, lying down, taking some time to really connect to yourself and remember who you are. Install a meditation practice, whatever you need to do. I use my teacher Rod Stryker's uh, app. It's called Sanctuary. I use that app to meditate or I meditate with my mantra by myself. There's some great meditations on glow that I enjoy of my own, weirdly. Sometimes I take my own meditations and classes on glow.com. And I find that to be very helpful because I wrote the, the meditation and it's coming from inspiration from my teacher and it's solid. I wrote it. I know what it is. Why not enjoy being led through it? <laughs> it's not the weirdest thing anymore to hear my own voice, so it's fine. Yeah, that's, that's what to do. It's, it's going back to the previous question. Install a new habit. Next question. What would you tell your 30-year-old self? <laughs> what a question. I would say stop giving your body away, woman. That's what I would say. Next question. And what would you say to your 20-year-old self? Well, I just graduated college. I was working really hard. I was really trying so hard. I had really bad acne. I had just come off birth control and boy, my face was a wreck. I was surrounded by great women with whom I was working, but I was working really hard and I, I wasn't comfortable being social because I wasn't comfortable with my face. I remember it so well. And I would tell her to enjoy your life more is what I would say. Enjoy your life more. I would say stop working so hard. Have fun. Go play. Go dance. Don't worry about your face. Just go have fun. Next question. How do you pull everything in your life together? <laughs> Slowly. I ask to be shown often what to do next. Source, God, universe, please, spirit, I am asking to be shown. Show me what I should do next. So I pull things together slowly, one thing at a time, with my hand on my heart, being present for myself. If I feel like a jerk or an asshole, I put my hand back on my heart. I say, you're doing your best. You're doing fine. Go apologize. Let's move on. Patience. Patience is required to pull everything in your life together. Next question. These are good questions. I want to know the steps you took to quote unquote, fall in love with yourself in terms of self-care, self-love, self-talk, and self-forgiveness, uh, and your daily rituals to sustain and stoke the love for yourself. Well, it's a small list. I think the steps, I guess in this order. First, it was do all the wrong things. Smoke cigarettes, smoke pot, make mistakes, 
be too liberal with your body. <laughs> I mean, I'm not recommending this, but this is how I did it. <laughs> Don't listen to me. I found yoga. I found art, actually, due to a couple of really important teachers in my life. Mrs. McGeo, Mrs. Hochberg, thank you. I found yoga. Thank God for Marlo Phillips, Marlo Flowers in New York. She was my boyfriend's mother. She is my boyfriend's mother. My, she is my ex-boyfriend's mother. <laughs> she owns the most beautiful flower shop in New York, Marlo Flowers. And Marlo took me to a yoga class in the 90s. That was the beginning of the end of everything. And from there, I found... Gosh, I found essential oils next, I would say, in my 20s. That was a big deal for me. Those oils became a real lifeline early on. The yoga kept going. I started to teach in the late 90s. And then I found coaching, which was really important for me with the Handel Group when they were first starting out 10 years ago in 2010. That was critical because the coaching kind of gave substance and flavor and daily practicality and applicability to the yoga. So how was I going to apply, you know, all the peacefulness and the things that I was learning in the yoga class and in the yoga philosophies? How would I put that into practice? That's where the uh, Handel group came in for me. This is just my path. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying this is how it happened for me. These are the steps it took to fall in love with myself. Um, it was after I was coaching for some time that I finally found meditation. Like I'd been meditating, obviously, but I didn't actually have a practice of my own. And now I do thank the gods. And then I would say... In the end, after all of that, the oils came back around and sort of tied everything together. Finding the oils now not just as a tool for my own wellness, but also as a business, as a way to advance healing and wellness for as many families as I possibly can. That, uh, that makes me love myself and forgive myself every day because I know I'm on my right path. I know that I'm doing the right thing with my life and my time. Next question. How do you find sadhana? That word for those of you that don't know is S-A-D-H-A-N-A -A -A, sadhana, which means let's say study, self-study. How do you find sadhana that works for you without it becoming an automatic recitation of words without meaning? It's a good question also. It's a nice follow-up. So I've studied on and off with Yoga Rupa Rod Stryker for the past 20 years. Met him early on, late 90s, in probably my first yoga journal conference, back when that was like really on the rise. And in between, in between then and now, I, of course, had uh, like a 10-year stint as an Anusara teacher um, I've studied with the founder of Katona Yoga, Naveen Mishan, and her dearest student and also really influential teacher, Abby Galvin, 
Abby spelled I-A-B-B-I-E. That work with Yogarupa, who is, I would consider sort of my main teacher now, was a result of the comfort that I had as an Anusara teacher studying with Douglas Brooks. And Douglas, I would say, was my first philosophy teacher. And the the finding of that whole body of knowledge, the Sri Vidya tantric philosophy, that was really important. Uh, that for me was a critical factor in understanding source as a feminine uh, energy. And that has led me to many other dear studies and teachings, but not I haven't veered that far from that path ever. So between Douglas and Yogarupa and Rod, nothing is without meaning. <laughs> because if you've studied with either one of them, and you can study with both of them on glow.com, you know that even in the most mundane action of your day, there is a world of meaning. So choosing those two as my main sort of philosophical influences, I think was really uh, a good intuition. And it will never be without meaning. My practice will never be without meaning because of them. Stay on your path, make sure that you're practicing, make your practice your priority. That was 2018 for me. I'm really glad I chose that because now it's an integral part of my day. Next question, time management, my favorite topic. I love every aspect of my life, this person says, but how to pull it all together using yoga and essential oils are key. I just need help aligning everything. Okay. That's a very broad question, so I can't really, let's see how I do. Loving every aspect of your life is critical. I have the same experience. I love the book that I'm working on. I love the team that I'm working with. I love the people with whom I'm working. I love my practice. I love my teaching. All that is really important. Aligning everything, it goes down, it comes down to time management. So your question is very apt. The course that I'm gonna offer this year and hopefully going forward in time is called Simplify. It doesn't matter if you're a business owner or a householder, a mother, a father, a child of an aging parent, of an elder. Simplify is a way for you to, over the course of five, really six weeks, take a good, steady look at how you spend your time. Most of us, even the most conscious of us, if we looked hard, we would find ourselves spending an extra, who knows how long, half hour to an hour a day in things that we don't intend to be doing. And if you intend to bring together all these aspects of your life in a way that is fiscally responsible and fulfilling in your heart space, you have got to be aware of the choices that you're making regarding how you're spending your time. So observing is first, choosing and designing is second, structuring your life 
and then practicing that structure and then finding that structure becoming the way that you live. That's it. The next, and take the, I mean, take the course. The course is good. It's been, I'm not joking, four years in the making. I'm so deeply nervous about it. And I know that it's going to be very impactful, not just for you, but for me <laughs> to lead it because it's everything that's in my heart and in my mind, everything that has worked for me and everything that helps me to pull all of the disparate aspects of my life together and be a pretty good partner, mom, as well as business person, artist, lover, friend, daughter, sister, you know, I do okay. Next question, super fun. What's the one beauty product you couldn't live without? I've got three. Sorry. Like if I had to have one thing, it would probably be geranium oil, doTERRA geranium oil, because that's the thing that healed my, uh, my acne in the end. But two other things that I desperately could not live without, you know what I mean by desperately, like you don't really need them, but oh my God, I would be so sad to live without them. One is a, the mask from Pangea, which is the um, matcha tea and goji berry mask. I use that, that stays at the gym and I use that every time I work out after I work out. It is such a beautiful glow. Yes, you get a workout glow for sure. But then after I work out, I use that mask in the steam room and wow, my face always looks so nice after that. And then at night here, I combine the doTERRA mud mask, like a really tiny little amount with Max and Me makes a serenity mask and wash. It is so expensive. It is so expensive. It is so expensive. It's from Austria. It's handmade. Every batch is handmade by Max and his beautiful wife. And I love them, first of all. So I'm completely biased. Uh, I do not get paid to talk to you about the masks. Geranium oil is a part of my business. So that's full disclosure. Um, but the, the serenity mask it basically takes that mud mask and makes it into a most nourishing, cleansing, clarifying experience. And I use that almost nightly, like a super thin layer. I still have pretty oily skin, even though I'm 50, I'll be 50 this year. And that works really, really well for my face. And then after that, I do the, a little bit of carrier oil, whatever, sea buckthorn oil, Olivia Clementine has a beautiful rose face oil that I've been using lately. Pangea's balancing oil is awesome. And I put an extra drop of geranium in there. Sometimes it's Ylang Ylang. Sometimes it's frankincense if, since I'm riffing on the beauty routine. But if I had to pick one, it would be geranium. Okay. Making your home your sanctuary. And also, you know, just last thing on the beauty tip, like move your ass move your body, sweat, because that I'm absolutely certain is what's keeping my skin clear is part of the part of the process of keeping my skin clear. Next question, making your home your sanctuary. It's not really a question. It's like a topic, lighting, artwork, etc. So I would 
just keep it to things that you find holy. Like what are the smallest things that you find sacred? Um, I have these little tiny mats that I bought at ABC Carpet. This is going back a number of years. I would buy these tiny little mats. They were like $15 at the time. Now they're like $35 and $40. But they're these tiny little puja mats, altar mats. I have them all over the house. I put everything on top of them. My oils go on top of them. My pad of paper goes on top of them. My chocolates go on top of them. Crystals go on top of them. They create of each of these little spaces like a beautiful, sacred zone. I think one of the things that I do well is create sort of color feelings in rooms. If you know me well, you know that my books are color-coded. My clothing is color-coded. Like I have all the white things together, the blue things and black things together, the pink things together. I'm such a dork when it comes to color, uh, but it's always been a thing for me. And I think to make your home your sanctuary, color is important. Like think about it. You can put all your clothing together like that and your books together like that and suddenly your house feels more organized and more, uh, you know, if, if you're looking at Marie Kondo's work, it's really what brings you joy in the end. What brings you joy when you look at it around your house? Are you looking at that pile in the corner right now going, shit, I really have to clean that up. You know, go clean it up. <laughs> Don't press pause, just go clean it up right now. Take everything, put it all in the middle of the table, look at everything and say, does this thing bring me joy? Does this paper clip bring me joy? No, thank you, put it in the, in the bin. Does this shirt bring me joy? No, thank you, put it in the bin. Just do it, just clean it out. Clean out every closet, every drawer, every shelf. You will find that creativity can land on you so much more readily when your space is clear. And ultimately, just to complete the mission here on this question, that is what makes your home a sanctuary. If your space is clear, you have pockets of holiness everywhere, and your home becomes your truest sanctuary. You look forward to being there. Next question is so off the wall. Also, do you think a pilgrimage to India is a necessary step to be a true yogi? <laughs> no. I do not. I do not. I know so many true yogis. I know homeless people here in New York on the Upper East Side who are true yogis who've never even thought about going to India. So no. And I know a ton of true yogis who have been to India, but I do not think that is a necessary step. Here's a long, long question. This is coming from a registered nurse and yoga teacher. She is speaking about the modern version of yoga, which is struggling in an oversaturated market, which was my fear early on. Small business owners are challenged to survive in an inflated economy. Class prices have to increase. Multi-modality fitness classes are incorporated into most studios. She goes on to say that in the years she's been teaching, she's witnessed a pulling away of the yoga sutras as a guide. Oh, I see. So this is a question about stripping away the roots of the quote unquote roots of yoga, the philosophy of yoga, the words, the, the terms, she is feeling like it seems that yoga is a diluted version of its essence as it's taught today. 
and that it's devoid of the lineage. Yeah, that's interesting. It's true. Uh, she's, <laughs> she's read yoga studio contracts that limit teaching radius locations that address specific clothing to be worn while teaching and request specific actions like studio approved social media. Oh my God. Oh my God. I haven't even thought about that. Oh my God. What a thing. I haven't owned a studio in like six years. That would be such a disaster. I hadn't even thought about that. Studio approved. Like each teacher has to run their social media by the studio because the teacher represents the studio. My God. Lifestyle choices have to be maintained in accordance with the studio, she goes on to, to say. So her question is, where's the balance? How do independent contractor teachers navigate the ethics and morals related to spaces that can hold our teachings? How do we continue to cultivate our own unique creativity within our teaching? Boy, I would say, ask for what you want, commit to what you can, and build a following at the studio wherever you're teaching. Do it diligently, be very consistent, be on time, be there. And then as you build a following, begin to find your own spaces at which to teach. So think about galleries, empty stores, off hours for certain shops. And then teach there. In the end of my you know, regular yoga teaching, I closed my studio I started teaching at ABC Carpet and Home, which is a gorgeous space, and it no longer exists because the mezzanine turned into a selling floor because they downsized the store. But, boy, did I love it there. And I used Square, and I took all the revenue, and then I gave ABC a certain percentage of the profit. It was great. So, yeah, I would say... Use the studio to build your following. It's not like they're getting used because they're also getting business. So it's a very mutually beneficial arrangement. Build your following and then find your own spaces. Topic requests. There are a few of those. The first one, yoga that exploits people. In parentheses, thinking here of false claims made, such as yoga to increase egg quality. Huh. I've never seen that. And I do see how that would be a false claim. But, if I may, tangential. Riff for a moment. Your yoga is going to lead you in the direction of your wellness. Your wellness is going to lead you to more sleep, better diet. Your more sleep, better diet could potentially increase the quality of the eggs in your ovaries. So maybe it's not the worst thing. <laughs> but I do see that that is kind of a circuitous, longer thread than yoga increases egg quality. What to do about that? Educate, learn, be educated, and provide education to people if you care about this. 
I always say that when people get up in arms about things, you know, I'm up in arms about certain things. I'm learning about them and I'm providing education and information to those who present me with a worthy inquiry. I am not here to educate somebody who isn't asking. You can't even imagine how many emails and direct messages I get from people who are trying to educate me without me asking them for their information. It is riotously laughable. And bless them, but bye-bye. I'm not listening. I didn't ask you for the information, so I'm not listening. (laughs) I'm deleting. I am saving my day from this unsolicited information. I am not here to make you comfortable and agree with you. And what's fun is that if you're really concerned, you can learn and provide information to people who are offering you a worthy inquiry and asking for your information. Regarding the next topic, our ethics in a saturated market. So I felt in the early 2000s that the market was becoming saturated and I refused to do teacher trainings. I just didn't feel comfortable. It felt like I was adding more teachers to a, to a a market where they are not needed. And it was, it felt untrue to me. I did one teacher training that was for already teaching teachers. And it was epic. Actually, we had a great time. And I do once a year, a five day immersion or a three day immersion, usually in Europe for already teaching teachers refining our voices, learning a little more about the philosophy, how to apply it in daily life. Those things concern me, but I would not, I'm not saying what to do. I'm I'm definitely not telling you not to teach 200 hour teacher trainings. All I'm saying is for me, it didn't feel right. So I stopped doing it. I mean, I never did it. And I stopped doing trainings, you know, bigger trainings. Like that doesn't interest me at all because I think Everyone else has it covered. And then I can do my little immersions and enjoy your company and give you the best of what I know. Next topic, poetry. There's nothing else written there but poetry. We touched on this a little bit earlier. I surround myself with poetry. I have poetry everywhere. Uh, Mark Nepo, E.E. Cummings. um, Gosh, I consider A Course in Miracles poetry. Rumi, of course. I'm looking back at my bookshelf right now behind me. Oh, I also consider um, Pamela Cribby, Heart-Centered Living. I consider that poetry. Mary Oliver, of course. Keep it around. If you're a teacher and you want to provide rich language, it's really important that you're reading and constantly exposing yourself to beautiful and beautifully arranged words. Okay, more topics. Not sure of how to put it clearly, this one says. Topics relating to dedicated and experienced seekers with no teacher that feel lost at sea. Hmm. Wow. You know, I'm a girl with a teacher. I love having, I have a few. I still have Douglas Brooks in my life and in my notebooks. Rod Stryker, 
Abby Naveen. Shiva Ray, I consider a teacher of mine. My friends, I consider my teachers. I would say find your teacher. If you're feeling lost at sea, find your teacher. Start to look around, ask questions, research, go to classes, take their classes online, take their trainings online. Rod Stryker has incredible trainings online. So does Shiva. So many people do. See who resonates. I feel it's very important to have these forces behind me. Next topic, uh, developing loving routines. We sort of touched on that already. Let's see what else. Biggest takeaways. Just a couple people responded. Um, the episode with Jonah and myself. That's sweet. Let's see. Diego Perez, Young Pueblo, Gemma, Eileen, Ruth King. Yeah. Megan Watterson, totally. Ellie Bogart, Gabby Bernstein, me and James. Sasha Lewis, every man. Yeah, we're going to do a second installation of that for sure. He's starting to uh, hum about his online course too for, for the men. It's going to be a very big deal. Talk about a revolution. Watch for that. Someone else is noting that Rebecca Baruki was a big one in which she discusses her relationship with her eldest son. The Ritual of Recovery podcast with me. That's nice. That's my poetry. Gemma's tenderness practice for sure. Bless. Uh, Ruth King. Jade Schutz. Allie. Gabrielle Lyon. Nice. And Louis Schwartzberg. Beautiful. Made me feel like I reached another world. Yes, Louis has that impact on you. And this person adds, Louis's episode made her fear, or made him, I'm not sure, and, and, and quote, made me fear death less. That's great. Yeah, no fear. Nobody's getting out of here alive. There's a great post on uh, upwards.gold today on the Instagram. Upwards with an S at the end.gold. Really nice post there. That is the end of the questions document. How nice. I want to thank you so much for reaching out, taking the time to send me your questions. They're great. We'll do another session like this in a few months' time. Keep them coming. And if you're still listening, for those of you who haven't done so yet, I look at the comments on Apple Podcasts and we look weekly, my collaborator and I. And if you leave a comment there and a rating, I usually pick one every week or every two weeks and I send a signed book to one of the comments. So... Don't hesitate to leave a comment because you might get a book. And if you want to be considered, make sure you use your name or alert me to the fact that you've left a comment by emailing me at info at so that I know and I can put you in the pool of people who have left a recent comment and maybe send you a little present. 
And if you're interested in learning more with me about refining your days in your world, if you'd like a little more time with me in a more sort of focused way, my course is coming soon. It's called Simplify. And it integrates many years, decades, in fact, of studying with teachers and guides and healers and all sorts of business humans, taking their wisdom into my work for the last several years now. And I do many different things. I wear a ton of hats. And as a result of all of their work, I'm realizing a level of understanding and even success, dare I say, that I never imagined possible. And every day I'm waking up and I'm asking, how, how would I share what's working for me with my friends and my colleagues so I can see them thriving? And what I've learned is basically how to access attitudes, tools, ways of seeing, ways of being. And these are what I'm going to impart in a very organized way in Simplify the Course. And it's not just for people who have a business. This is an important distinction. It's really for you if you're a householder or a business person. You too, as a householder, a mom, a dad, a sibling, daughter, son, taking care of an elder, you too can use the tools in Simplify to create ease in your day, in your house, in your heart, and in your life. Essentially, all of us are just dancing with our own potential all the time. And what I've found is when I take steps to realize that potential, and these are not necessarily easy steps, but they're necessary, you are going to help the people around you by taking those steps yourself. In the course, we'll have a total of five modules with one little surprise at the end. And I'll be sharing more about these modules live and on my feeds in the coming days and weeks. I would love to have you join me for this. I do think it's going to grow us all. And I'm nervous and I'm honored to share what I'm learning with you. It'll be useful for you no matter what the work that you do. If you'd like to learn more, simply go to elenabrower.com slash simplify. I'm so nervous about it, which always means it's going to be great. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And I look forward to more soon. Thank you, AG1, for sponsoring the Practice You podcast. My listener, you've been hearing me talk about AG1 for some time. I think I've been taking it daily for almost three years. 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens in one scoop in the morning. The best way to start your day supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and longevity, the conversation of the moment. The taste is delicious. It's suitable whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar. 
no nonsense in here at all. It's a multivitamin that your body will actually absorb. If you are wanting to make an investment in your health and longevity, AG1 costs you less than $3 a day, far less expensive, and definitely less time-consuming than many different supplements. Reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient, delicious daily nutrition. And since you listen to the Practice You podcast, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-boosting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com forward slash Elena. Once again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash E-L-E-N-A. Take ownership of your health, my listener. And thank you, Athletic Greens and AG1.